Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. One of my favorite things about this podcast is getting to talk with people that have different opinions than the norm. I think it's so much fun. And I really do believe that's how we learn and grow, especially with our finances, is learning what works for other people. And more than anything, just getting different perspectives. And that is exactly what today's conversation was all about. This conversation is with my friend V Ware. She is the owner and founder of V Frugal Fox, an inclusive online brand for those paying down debt, saving money, and just living their best financial lives. V began her path to financial independence in 2016 when she realized she had to choose between medicine and food. In that moment, the course of her life changed and she decided to learn everything she could about personal finance. After being introduced to the debt-free community on Instagram, V paid off $71,000 in five years. She fell in love with personal finance and opened her digital marketing firm, which services other finance brands in the online space. V has been featured in Business Insider, Forbes, MSN, CNBC, Reader's Digest, and more. She spends her time offline hiking with her husband, Joe, and three dogs in Colorado. Her hiking pictures are so beautiful, too. Definitely go check out her Instagram. In this episode, we cover a ton of ground. One of the things that we start the conversation around is how V was initially following the Dave Ramsey program and why she decided to leave this. I think this is a really good point because a lot of times the loudest voices are not necessarily the best voices for you. And so I think it's important to hear her out and see, you know, why that advice didn't really fit for her life anymore. So we talk about Dave Ramsey. We talk about her experience paying down her debt, uh, $71,000 in five years. We also discuss if she would have maintained that same level of aggressiveness and if she actually felt like that was good or bad for her life. I think this is very fascinating if you're wondering how fast should you go with your debt payoff. We definitely dive into her side hustles. V is super, super inspiring. Every time I look at her Instagram, I'm inspired to side hustle too. I just think it's so fun. But we go through a really in-depth overview of Rover the app that you can use to like walk dogs, dog sit, that kind of stuff, and how much money you can actually make by doing this. We also talk about her National Park inspired soap side hustle. You have to see this. It is so cool. She makes soap inspired by her National Park travels. Amazing. I love it. You know that. I love outdoors anything. So this is really speaking to my soul. All right, let's go ahead and dive into this conversation. I think you're going to have a good time. Do me the biggest favor. If you do enjoy the conversation, share it with just one person that you know. 
That's all I ask. It really does help the show get in front of more people and it might inspire somebody to start taking their finances maybe a little bit more seriously or start that side hustle they've been talking about for years. All right, let's go ahead and turn the mic over to my friend V. V, it is so good to hang out with you today. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me, Whitney. I'm so excited to be here. I am so stoked to chat with you. I cannot believe you have not been on the show yet. So we have (laughs) so much to cover because you have quite a financial journey. I do. Yeah. It's a lot of ups and downs and really nothing is off the table to talk about. So I'm excited. I love that. Take us back a little ways. So when you first got into personal finance, what was the draw for you? Um, honestly, I kind of just stumbled into it. I, I think like most people around 2016, there wasn't really a presence on Instagram. And I just really started the frugal Fox as a way to document my own journey and to see if anybody else in the world was crazy enough to think that they could become debt free. Um, and it turns out there was, so that's exciting. Um, and that's kind of where my journey started. I, I, was paying off debt aggressively and I was just trying to get my shit together and I found people online and, and that's how I got into personal finance. Ooh, let's, let's go back a ways. You said you were paying off debt aggressively. Mm -hmm. I know everyone's version of like what aggressive is, is different. So can you tell us like, what does that mean for your life? Um, well, I started in 2016 with around $50,000 worth of debt with my ex-husband. And mm-hmm. we started with the Dave Ramsey method because that was just the loudest voice yep. that there was. Um, and the only one at the time that I knew of. So we did gazelle intensity. I mean, we budgeted every single dollar, every single cent. I worked to the bone. My ex-husband worked to the bone. Every single extra quote unquote dollar went to debt. We took very limited vacations. Um, We didn't really eat out a lot. I mean, I worked at one point three or four jobs. So yeah, um, that's aggressively paid off debt. And we paid off around $50,000 in a year. So it's pretty freaking incredible. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Would you, I'm always curious from people that, cause I paid off my debt really quickly too. And Mm -hmm. I don't regret it, but I'm curious, do you regret going at that pace? Yes, 100%. I what regret. would you have done differently? Um, I think now I am definitely more of the empathy-based budgeter. I think at the time I was just a big Dave Ramsey asshole. Um, I judged people. I used to be too. <laughs> yeah, ruthlessly. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, if you work the plan, the plan works and mm-hmm. like all this crap, you know? Yep. And it really tore my marriage apart. It was it was one of the many things that tore the marriage apart. But um, the aggressiveness and the inability to compromise or just be immovable with my goals Mm. really was a detriment to my relationship. And when I got out of that marriage and when I stepped away from Dave Ramsey, I promised I would never do that again. And I didn't, um, I got back into debt. I bought a a new to me car that I financed um, and I didn't have a co-signer or anything. And it was like the first big purchase outside of my like marriage or like without a man. So that was really awesome. But I got back into debt and then I met my second husband and he had debt too. And we created a plan because I was like, I really don't want to be in debt. Like that's just mm-hmm. something I don't want to do. And I've been on this financial journey for a really long time. And now I have my own business and I really just don't want to have that hanging over my head. So we did a debt payoff plan, but it was much slower. I mean, it had to be because my income decreased so significantly and he's a student. So there was just no way that we could have gone as aggressive as I had in the past anyway, logistically, but we ended up just doing it slow and steady and we, we paid off 20,000. So all all together, I paid off $71,000 in five years with 
two husbands. <laughs> yeah. Nice so. job. That's yeah, incredible. Yeah. That's a lot of freaking money. It is a lot of money. It is a lot of money. And now I, I'm debt free and I'm focusing on financial freedom. So. That's so cool. What is financial freedom to you? I've achieved it to me. Um, I have my own business, get to do what I want, when I want, where I want. And that's what it means to me. I don't think I'll ever go back to a corporate setting or an office. I'm not necessarily interested in fire. That's just not something for me, but I am absolutely dedicated to maintaining my financial and my time freedom. Mm -hmm. I love that too. And then when you started publicizing your financial goals and your life and just talking about money, I mean, I I do remember, I think that's how we initially connected was clear back in the day through Instagram. And Mm -hmm. you were sharing some very personal things. Were you ever intimidated by that? Like sharing Mm -hmm. some of your numbers and no? No, I mean, I... I say this on pretty much all of my interviews. It's just, I've always been an open book. Like my whole life, I've always just been like, uh, what you see is what you get. I mean, I am exactly who I am in these interviews and on my, my Instagram, like there is no really big delineation between me and V frugal Fox, the brand. like Mm -hmm. we're synonymous. We're, we, it's just the same. Um, so no, I've always just been like, I've thought that like, if I am open about something, someone who needs to hear it is going to hear it. So mm. some other people may be like, oh, she's showboaty or, oh, like she just wants attention or, oh, she's just being dramatic. But somebody on the other end of the screen saw that message and needed it in that moment. And that's really where my openness comes from, especially with things like financial trauma, divorce, sexual assault, um, any anything that's heavy, I think needs to be discussed more openly. And that's you know why I'm so out loud on my page. (laughs) One of the things you're very out loud about that I love is you did a very popular interview about why you left this like Dave Ramsey. Well, I'm going to call it a cult because that's really how it feels for a lot of people Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. You you kind of left that. And I know that a lot of people get very triggered by that. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of curious, why do you think people get so upset when you say that you don't follow a Dave Ramsey plan or you don't really believe some of the things he believes? Because I think people are very apprehensive of criticizing a man that has done a lot of good in their own life, but has harmed other people. I think that people have a really hard time understanding that good and evil can coexist in the same entity. And it's, it's really easy to be loyal and dedicated and feel very strongly to one person and then realize like they're not all rainbows and butterflies. And I think that also means that you have to face your own bullshit and realize mm-hmm. like you fell for it, quote unquote, and you, totally. you know, went down that rabbit hole and coming out of that cult or that following or whatever you want to call it um, means facing that you, you did that and you were part of a problem. And I don't think a lot of people want to want to face that Mm -hmm. within themselves. That's fair. That's totally fair. What was your entry point to maybe there's another life outside of just that financial information? I think when I realized I wasn't Dave Ramsey's um, core demographic anymore, Yeah, (laughs) like I, you know, in the beginning I was married to a cop then we were making a lot of money and, um, you know, I was primed for that. Like, you know, we were very young out of college. We needed a community. Um, we had a lot of debt and we had the time to pay it off. And I mean, that's like Dave Ramsey gold. And then I found myself on the other side of that divorced, literally having no money, 
realizing that I had not only been in a toxic, abusive marriage, but in a toxic, abusive system. And I think around 2017, 2018 is when I really started looking at like my privilege and how capitalism works and kind of when I started becoming more radical in my views and my beliefs. And I mean, towards um, just power and economics and then politics, mm-hmm. you know, I started becoming way more aware and educated on those on those things. And so I just wasn't part of Dave Ramsey's demographic anymore. And I realized that through my own education, I was poking holes in his whole uh, <laughs> system, his whole uh, Ramsey yeah. Solutions enterprise. Um, and I, I just think that, especially when I, I left and I had nothing when I left my ex-husband, I had nothing. I had less than a thousand dollars, a piece of shit car. I was living with my parents, couch surfing. Like I had my dog. <laughs> that's oh, it. Oh, that's so tough. Yeah. And I think it was in those moments where I was like, mm, this plan isn't, isn't it? And, uh, <laughs> something's not working here. Yeah. <laughs> something's not right. And then uh-huh. I, when I uh, financed my, my car and when the Dave Ramsey people came after me and that whole shebang, I was like, mm, fuck this. Nah. Oh, that sucks. I didn't realize that happened. Yeah. Yeah. It happened. Um, but you know, it's fine. I made the right decision for me. And yeah. in those moments is when I was like, mm, Dave Ramsey's actually kind of a shit. <laughs> so yeah. I think, uh, all in all, I'm really glad it happened to me because it turned me into who I am now. So, and I think it's so important because this is the issue when we have one prominent voice in any industry, like we're picking on finance right now, cause that's what you and I do, but mm-hmm. there's so many different industries where this applies when you have one strong voice that really diminishes the other voices mm-hmm. or the other opinions and perspectives and I mean, let's be real, like what works for one person doesn't work for everybody. That's just no, the way all. the world works. So that's where you started to get into like empathy-based advice. Is that what you call it? Yeah. Empathy-based budgeting, which basically just recognizes that we're all human. We all make mistakes and there shouldn't be shame or fear around education and financial literacy. And it it really was about giving myself grace, giving myself grace and understanding that, you know, I went down a path that wasn't the best for me Mm -hmm. all the way through my life. Like it was there for me in a moment when I needed it. And then I realized that I needed to grow and evolve past it. Yep. And so I did that. And so it's giving myself the grace that like, yeah, I followed Dave Ramsey. I was a Dave Ramsey purist for a really long time. I was a judgmental, very mean person about money. And I'm and I, I do feel regret for some of the things that I said and did and portrayed, but it's giving myself the grace to move past that and be better as a human. And so that's just what empathy-based budgeting is. I love that. I think we need a lot more of that, especially in today's world. It's like the more you learn about money, the more you start to see how many how many faults we all have and just how it's like not one thing fits for everyone. So I really love that you were, you're preaching that. I think that's really great. Thank you. Yeah. So now you're, you're debt-free. You, are you like committed to a debt-free life for the rest of your life? Like, are you kind of fluid there? Like, how do you feel about that? I'm fluid about most things in my life, (laughs) Um, but, but yeah, uh, not debt-free all my whole life. I don't think that's really realistic in today's world. I mean, it's certainly possible. I just don't think it's realistic for me and my situation. Um, I would like to own a home eventually. Uh, so whenever the market crashes, I'll probably sweep up a house somewhere in the Midwest. (laughs) So I, I do 
I hope to have a mortgage eventually, but you know, I, I'm not hundred percent dedicated to it right now. I think it's the best decision for me just in the um, beginning stages of my business. You know, I'm on year three of, of owning it. Um, so I, I like the flexibility that it provides me, but I'm not hundred percent committed to a debt-free life forever. Congrats on three years. Thank you. That's freaking impressive. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's, it's wild. I can't believe I'm yeah. here. It's crazy. Time flies. And like, what a time to be an entrepreneur too, going through a pandemic and <laughs> it's been rough. <laughs> yeah. I opened my business in 2019. <laughs> so, so crazy. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, just, just perfect timing, you know, <laughs> <laughs> when you first started your business, has it, I mean, three years, I'm sure it's evolved, but what were you doing initially? Uh, taking any job I could get. Yeah. Like freelance <laughs> doing- wise. Yeah, just anything, literally anything. Now I'm now I'm very securely in the personal finance industry and just loving what I'm doing and the clients that I've I've been able to to have for the past probably year really is I've uh, honed in on the clients that I really like and working together creating personal finance education for the masses and it's yeah. my dream job. So how does it how does it work? So you're doing. I, if I recall, like more behind the scenes content strategy for people, right? Mm-hmm. Content strategy, content creation. I work on five different podcasts now. Um, nice job. And, yeah. So uh, one of my clients is Journey to Launch. Um, I love Jamila. She's amazing. You know, I've worked with Sammy Womack for, she's my oldest client now. Sammy's so, so great worked too. With her. Yeah, she's great. Um, Marriage, Kids and Money, Andy Hill. So a bunch of like top name people but I, I help them create their content. I help them with uh, social media strategy, kind of give them what's trending, what's not trending, what I think would do well, general personal finance writing. So it's it's a lot of here and there kind of things. <laughs> yeah. But mostly I, I live on Instagram and then, you know, I have V Fruitful Fox, which is my own brand. So basically I'm just in a screen all day. <laughs> this is such an interesting question. So you create content for other people and then you're creating your own content for your business and for yourself, which mm-hmm. is always so interesting because it's kind of like juggling a lot of things there. Um, yeah. <laughs> when you are creating content, I've always struggled with this because it seems like in today's world, it's also short form where it's like, you know, mm-hmm. five seconds, seven seconds. It's super, mm-hmm. super quick that a lot of nuance can get lost there. Mm-hmm. So when you're creating content, I know there's a lot of financial content creators that listen to the show too. That can mm-hmm. be something where they're like, oh, this is going to be so good. And then it just comes out and you look like an asshole. Like, how do you, <laughs> how do you deal with that kind of stuff? I think that people go into like reels and TikToks knowing that it's like not the full story. So you have to have other content that explains it. Mm-hmm. You can't, totally. I, I don't think that you can just be a content creator solely on one platform anymore. I think that you have to have a space where that nuance can be explained. You have mm. to have information that backs up your short form, funny reel. Um, totally fair. That's kind of, or your stories, like going to your stories to explain. And that's just something that I think that we're all going to have to evolve with because it's not going away anytime soon. Yeah. No, I I completely agree with that. I think that's a good tip too, is you do really need to think through all the platforms and make sure you can expand on some of those short nuances so you don't look like a jerk. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah, 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 makes sense. For sure. So, okay, in all of the business stuff, so you've been growing your business, you're doing financial content creation. Mm -hmm. What is your goal? Like, what are you hoping to to do with your business? What are you thinking in like five years? Oh my God. Which is such a hard question. (laughs) 
Um, I was not prepared for that question. Good job. People, <laughs> people usually do not like stump me five years, five years is such a hard, you know, I brought on, I took my best friend away from teaching. She now works. She's a, my business partner. It's nice. not just my business. It's her business as well. 50, 50. So I can't just say weird digital marketing is mine anymore. It's hers as well. So, you know, I brought on a partner, which was really helpful, helped me scale because there's no way I could do all of everything that I do just by myself. It's laughable. Um, So I have a business partner and then we are hiring our first employee. Like we're in the midst of it right now. Honestly, I just want to keep on making a name for myself in this industry. I want to keep on being the best at content creation and be the person behind the scenes. I don't think a lot of people know about weird digital marketing just because I don't blast it out everywhere. But I, I still want to have that uh, reputation, I think. Mm-hmm. And along with weird digital marketing, I mean, I my goal eventually is to have eFrugal Fox be an entity that stands alone and can support myself without weird digital marketing. So, you know, growing eFrugal Fox, growing my own brand, being a place where people can trust me with financial education. And not only being an influencer, but being more of an educator, I think I also want to get my CFP. That's happening at some point in the future. In the next five years, it will happen. So yeah, I mean, there's so much that's happening. And I think just being able to say, I want to still be in business in five years is something that is a goal. Because, you know, with everything that's happened in the world, I think that's a lofty goal is to still be in business. Real, though. No, seriously. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I know true. that's like such like a half-assed answer, but it's like, I, I'm really happy with where I'm at. I mean, making more money scaling is obviously always a goal. We'll hit six figures this year. Congrats. So awesome. thank you. Yeah. And I, I just never expected to be here. So I, I'm just hoping I'm here in five years. Yeah. What was your job before all the financial content creation? Uh, I worked in marketing for a toy gifting game company. And then before that, I worked in marketing for a jewelry company. And before that, I had a failed business. And then I graduated college. Yeah, I've been doing this since 2010. So what was the failed business? It was another marketing firm. It was called a rumor has it PR. And it was when I was like 19 and it was, it crashed and burned. You would do this when you were 19? (laughs) Yeah, I've been doing this my entire adult life. My that entire is incredible. Career. Okay, mm-hmm. let's like break this down. I always I I love more of the I tried this business and it failed than I do like, oh, yeah. we're we're killing it. I'm like good for you, but like let's yeah. go back to that one. How okay. how do you like what, what were the reasons that you think it it maybe didn't work out at that time? I was too young. I started it with three of my friends. We didn't have any fucking clue what we were doing. <laughs> totally. We focused way too much on our aesthetic and not the systems and getting clients. Also, I was busy with, you know, having a boyfriend and being in college and all these other things. I mean, I was a kid basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah, that's why I failed. But I, as far as like the content of what we were doing, I've literally always been doing this. I've always been in social media and it's just so interesting to have watched the social media industry evolve alongside the financial industry with like FinTech and all of that. Yeah. It's been really fun and challenging to watch it and be in the middle of it. So I've really enjoyed my career. Um, and I, it's just going to get, keep getting better. And hopefully weird digital marketing will not be a failure. Like rumor has it was. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> well, I think you, you learn and you pivot. And so I think yeah. you are creative enough that even if it doesn't go the direction you hope it goes, you're going to find a path. Yeah. I mean, I really do believe that. I think if you're open-minded and creative, you'll mm-hmm. find a way to make it. I've always been that way. And I, I don't know, like if something fails I'm just like, all right, well, that sucked. No, let's try again tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that's, and I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. I, I oh. hate authority. I can't stand corporate anything. I learned very quickly that a nine to five was just not my cup of tea. Mm. Um, and so I've learned, I've done what I, what I've had to do to create a life that I like living mm-hmm. and now we're here. And I get to take naps on Tuesday at one o'clock in the afternoon that's if the I want to. Best, right? Yeah, like that's my dream. Like, what I what do I want in five years? I want to be napping. Like, that's, that's what I want. Ali want. I think it is Ali one in her her comedy skit where she's like, yeah. I don't want to lean in. I want to lie down. I'm like, like me too. <laughs> preach, girl. Preach. Yes, same. I I'm tired. You know, so it is exhausting. I think that's that reminds me too of being tired and that like exhaustion, I think is so rampant, especially, but I see that a lot with budgets where people experience this, like I'm burnt out of budgeting. I don't want to think about my finances. Do you come across that at all in your personal life? Yeah. Uh, I kind of did this month actually, to be perfectly candid, some financial trauma stuff with my family (laughs) happened and I was like, yeah, fuck this. So we ended up taking like (laughs) a three-day vacation in Steamboat and blew through our budget. And like, I've been doing this for how long? Yeah. Seven, eight years. And I'm still like, we're just going to go to Steamboat and who cares about bills? I mean, not that, like, I have an emergency No, you're still pretty tame, I know. (laughs) I'm still like, yeah, like, I still have my shit together. But it was like, oh, here's $1,300 that I was definitely not expecting to spend this month. But I can't, I got to get the fuck out. Yep. So yeah, I mean, burnout, burnout in life, burnout in your job, burnout in your budget is so common nowadays, especially with just the information that we are constantly inundated with. I mean, especially the global stage right now is really heavy and it's no surprise that people just look at their life and they're like, what's the point? You know, like Mm -hmm, I just, I can't do this anymore. So, and you know, that's where the empty based budgeting comes in. It's like, okay, yeah, shit sucks right now that's okay. Like, I'm not going to put a like toxic positivity spin on it. Like shit sucks. So, you know, give yourself grace. Maybe this month doesn't look as great as last month did. You can try again next month and Mm -hmm. just try to adjust and move forward. You know, if you feel yourself spiraling like that, it's all about kind of having the self-control to look at it and be like, all right, I've made some mistakes, but you know what? It's okay. We're going to move on and I'm going to forgive myself. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a healthy perspective because I agree. I'm like you, even though I've been budgeting for, I mean, I don't, since I'm like 22 or 21, like super long time. I just, I still mess up. There's still times where I'm like, don't care if it's in the budget, I'm going to go buy it anyways. And usually it's like, I think if we set up our systems correctly, it doesn't impact us all that much. Mm-mm. Um, but it's when you don't have any type of plan and yeah. you're doing that month over month and sure that's an issue, but if you have right. your emergency fund, you've got your budget in place, like you're, you're probably okay. You're fine. Yeah. I definitely think getting your systems in place and getting your habits down is mm-hmm. much more important in the day to day than like sometimes impulse spending. Yeah. Like, so the financial trauma, long, very long story short, my parents went negative in their bank account and I had to help them out. And I was so mad. And this is all very 
it's just, it's a long story and I'm not going to get into it. But I just looked at my husband and I was like, you want to go to Target? He was like, yeah. So we went to Target. We got our little Starbies walking around, (laughs) walking around Target, (laughs) walking around with our stuff. And I swear, like we got a Ninja blender. We got like total (laughs) emotional spending, my friends. No plan, but we were just having a ball in Target. Like the basic bitches we are. (laughs) Starbucks. With my little Starbucks, my vanilla latte with hazelnut, you know? And, uh... You know, I mean, it happens. It happens. And it happens to all of us. Budgeting experts, personal finance experts, media personalities. If they tell you that it hasn't happened to them, they're lying through their teeth. Oh, totally. Um, But, you know, I budget every month. I have a healthy savings account. I make those things a priority so that when something like this does come up and I do just throw my budget out the window, it's not like this emergency. It's like, oh, I messed up. We're not going to do that next month. We'll be I. Yep. I like that. What does your, your system look like? So I presume you have like your primary checking account, business Mm -hmm. checking account, Mm -hmm. and then emergency fund. Mm -hmm. How, what other like account structure wise do you have? So my husband has his account where his checks go into, I have my checking account where my checks go into. Um, and I don't even think they're joint accounts, which it's not because I believe in separate. It's just because I haven't done the paperwork. Um, but mostly we, live off of his income. And then my income is for like the fun stuff and the savings and the investing. That's basically that. how we do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to go too. Yeah. That way. I mean, if we're getting a little low in his account, you know, I can, you know, fluff it up a bit or, you know, if we underspend, we have a ton of savings. I don't really have like a savings goal per month. Usually I just chuck whatever's left in my account in there, which ends up being around 500 to a thousand dollars a month, depending. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty substantial actually, especially for yeah. like a new business owner. Like that's, yeah. that's a lot. Well, I mean, I have my marketing firm and then I do dog sitting on the side. Okay. Over the past year, we've been doing a lot of projects that have absolutely trashed my body. One is our glamp site in the mountains, which you probably already know about where we're building our geodome. And to get to the property, it takes me two hours each way. So that is a lot of car time. It's a lot of physical exhaustion. And basically that has been taking a huge toll on my body. So because I have been really getting my butt kicked, I've been looking for options where I can easily just do something to help me relieve a lot of that stress. For some reason, I carry most of my stress in my shoulders. I don't know if that's true for you too, but it definitely is for me. But that is why I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor because today's sponsor is one that I personally use and love. It's Theragun. Theragun is a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of pain by releasing tension. Using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. So whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out or an injury, or you've been building a glamp site like me, or just the stressors of everyday life, there is no substitute for Theragun Gen 4. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds and thousands of customers, and me. I'm a big fan. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $190. Go to therabody.com slash money nerds right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash money nerds, therabody.com slash money nerds. You guys have to try this. It really is so incredible. All right, now back to the show. 
Um, right. I say on the side, but really it's my second business. Um, I mean, pretty much at this point, huh? <laughs> yeah. I, I told Joe, I was like, I'm going to stop calling it my side hustle because I make a lot of money doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually my dog sitting money is my savings money. So that's mm-hmm. why I can just throw money at savings. Give everybody some context into dog saving. So if they don't follow your Instagram, which they oh, should, they should. should be linked in the show notes, V Frugal Fox, <laughs> yeah. definitely go give her a follow. But what is dog sitting? Like, what are you doing there? So when I did start my business, I was making, I literally was invoicing $7 invoices. I'm oh, not kidding. <laughs> what? Yeah. So I have no idea what I, that's I mean, why we, I'm like, I've been how there am too. I, I can't judge. Like, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Totally that's why it. I'm like, how am I here? I was <laughs> literally doing that, but I learned. Um, so I had to supplement, supplement my income because I wasn't making any money. Um, so I started dog sitting via Rover and I've been doing that ever since I started my business in 2019. And we moved to Longmont in September of 2019. Okay. August, September. Anyway, um, I've built a huge business here full of repeat clients. Some are on, still go through over some pay me separately. And so I do that on top of my digital marketing firm. So most days I'm like dog sitting and working and getting paid like double time. So I mean, yeah, I make about about a thousand to $1,500 a month, just watching dogs and what. yeah. And in May, I'm actually going to make like 2,500 because one of my clients is going to Scotland for like two weeks. So, oh, yeah. per- so do you go to their house? Or do the dogs go to yours? I go to their house because we already have three dogs here and they hate other dogs because they're of course my bougie dogs. Um, so I typically go to other people's houses and people in the Longmont Boulder area are extremely excessively wealthy. So most of the time I'm at like estates or mansions watching dogs. Sounds terrible. Just the worst. Man, when I am sitting there with a glass of wine and a huge tub, I am just hating my life. Let me tell I bet. you. Like that sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. It's this is yeah. incredible. Okay. Okay. I have to dive into this because this is so fa- I've had people tell me this before. You're mm-hmm. married. You obviously mm-hmm. live with your husband. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will stop themselves from doing things like that because immediately they're like, Well, I can't bring the dogs to my house and I can't take my dogs to that house. And we can't be apart. My husband and I can't be apart while I'm Why? dog sitting. I know. I hear this all the time, dude. I'm not even kidding. Has that ever um, been an issue for you? I think like when I have back to back to back to back clients, it gets a little like May is going to be challenging because I'm literally working every day in May and that's going to be annoying. But A, I need alone time. <laughs> uh, B, he needs alone time. Mm-hmm. And C, it's a lot of fucking money. So I'm going to go do that. And also like with my clients, I make it very clear, Hey, my husband's going to come visit me. If this isn't okay with you, I'm not the dog walker for you. I'm not the dog sitter for you. And so he comes and visits me every day, every other day, or, you know, whatever fits in his schedule. But I mean, I think like we both are our own people. We need our own time. I think that's really healthy in a marriage in any relationship long, long long-term, short-term, like you got to be your own people don't, don't, uh, fall down that codependent path because Mm. you're going to end up very lonely, which is what happened to me when I got divorced. I was a very codependent. So, so yeah, I, I think it works perfectly for us because we both value our own time, value, value our own hobbies. And it's just a way for me to, to get away when I want to get away to these like beautiful estates. So it works for us. Awesome. 
Yeah, it works for us. I mean, and also he watches our dogs when I'm away watching other dogs so that I can go make money. So yeah. I don't know, it it really works for us in our lifestyle. And we don't have kids either, which is another big thing. And I work from home, which is another mm-hmm. big thing. Like my schedule is literally wide open, which is why I get most of the good jobs. But but yeah, if if they don't want my husband um, over at the, their house, I'm like, all right, well then you can pick another sitter. Cause yeah, I'm just like gonna, gonna work out. Yeah. So I love this. Okay. So let's, let's break this down. So you create a profile on Rover. Mm-hmm. You say, here's what I'm available for. Here's the days times. Mm-hmm. Do you set your rate? Is that how mm-hmm. that works? Yeah. You set your own rate. And I have a, on my Instagram page at the V E E frugal Fox, I have a whole highlight of how to get started on, on Rover. And I have my referral link as well. But yeah, you make your profile and I have like how to do that. I have how to get initial testimonials so that your profile doesn't look so barren when you first start how to set the rates. And I also say, you know, when you are setting your rates, set your rates like dirt low because you need to get jobs in order to Mm. get reviews and then slowly increase your um, rates as you get more experience. I think I started, and it also depends on your geographic location and the income in that location. Like in Ohio, I think my rate was like $30 for overnights. And now in Longmont, Colorado, I is $60 a night plus $30 each additional dog. So I'm now the area's top sitter and I am also the get most it. expensive sitter, but I get jobs. So and that was like in a year time period. Yeah. I started in Ohio in February, 2019. Then I moved here in August and oh I jacked gosh. my rates up because the cost of living here is insane. So, yeah. So you, you definitely yeah. can, it supports it. That is yeah. so interesting. And I mean, if anybody ever like bitches at me about my rate, I'm like, all right, well you can get an another sitter. Like there's always going to be, there's always going to be someone cheaper than you. And there's always going to be someone more expensive than you. So just be aware of like the market rate when you're first starting out and do your market research and you should be fine. For somebody who is considering this, have you, I I'm just like trying to anticipate hesitations. One is I don't want to leave my partner and go house Mm -hmm. it. I, we covered that one. I think another one is what if you come across like a sketchy dog, what do you do Mm -hmm. in that circumstance? Uh, you always have a meet and greet before you say yes to a job. So okay. you like visit the dog, you visit the home, you meet the pet owners. Um, so, so that you can feel it out. And if you have any reservations, if your gut is like, absolutely not, then don't do it. Yeah. Have you came across any of those yet? Uh, yeah, one, uh, two, and I did them out of the goodness of my heart and I wish I hadn't. So don't, don't do that. One of them, the cat like ended up being abandoned and I had to go get cat litter and cat food and it was horrific. And then the other one was like a rescue dog and literally crapped everywhere in the house. Would not like look at me, would not let me touch it, like paced around like this dog needed training and a lot of love. And I think the owners lied to me about how long they had had the dog. Because it was very, very clear that it was not adjusted at all to humans or any interaction. So those are the two instances. I wish I had said no. Um, So if you do have that gut feeling where you're like, this isn't accurate, Mm -hmm. then don't do it. That makes sense. Yeah. I think that's a good tip. And then over time, you start to book up your schedule, fill Mm -hmm. your slots, and then that's Mm -hmm. when you raise your prices. 
Uh, yeah, I would say after you get like 10 uh, verified stay reviews, that's people that you've dog sat for who review you, mm-hmm. um, just increase your price to whatever the current market rate is. And then I think I'm at 55 reviews now. So I have my prices set to the highest I'm comfortable going, yeah. which is the highest, like the top of the market in the area. So yeah. That's so awesome. Have you ever had a dog run away or anything crazy like that? No, thank God. Okay, <laughs> <No>. good. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. What about like dog attacks when you're walking? I have like all the questions. Uh, no, I steer, even if a dog is friendly, I steer clear of other dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even if they're like, oh, like it's fine off leash. Nope. I leash. I don't play that game. I don't want to be liable for anything. And I also just like, don't want a dog to get hurt. So, you know, they're, they're still animals. They still have, you know, triggers and stuff and you never know you're not the owner. So just be extra cautious. Mm-hmm. Those are good tips. Any other good tips for somebody getting started with Rover? I would say like, yes, anybody can do it, but you really should have experience with dogs and Mm -hmm. just caring for animals in general. Like one person messaged me on Instagram, like, could my 15 year old do this? And I was like, I would not trust a 15 year old with my three dogs. Like I would never, ever, ever do that. So no, it's not for just everybody. Um, and I've heard horror stories and seen horrible reviews. So just remember these are people's pets. Like they are precious. I mean, my dogs are like my children because I don't want any kids. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have precious cargo in your hands and in your care when they are away. So you need to be able to handle that responsibility and give them the best care that you can. So Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Are you tipped on Rover as well? You can be. Yeah. I've gotten a few tips and I'm, I'm mostly tipped by my like regular clients that book me off of Rover. Um, one of my favorites, <laughs> my favorite client, Walter, which is the little poodle that I like post. Yes. Every month. I love that. Yeah. One. <laughs> so Walter, cute. like his mom pays me well above what I am worth, but she loves Aww. me. And, uh, she always gives me like holiday tips, like Easter. I'll get a tip Christmas. I got a tip like hundreds, hundreds of dollars. Like it's oh, insane. Yes. Walter. Yes. Walter. Yeah. There's a reason he's my favorite. <laughs> he's, he's great. He's so I cute. love him so much. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, and she lives like two minutes from my apartment and she loves oh, Joe. So there. my husband, um, so yeah, she's, she's great. So tipping is, um, accepted on Rover and it's a great little boost. So I love this. In addition to all the cool things that you're doing, you also started what I think is probably an experiment that led into a little bit more with your soap business. <laughs> Can you give everybody some context into like how this started and what you're up to? Yeah. Oh, God, it makes me seem like I'm such a workaholic. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. Every time I talk about side hustles, I feel the same way. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I have this business and this business and this, do I sleep? I don't know. Um, some days on Tuesday yeah. afternoons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tuesday afternoons is why I've dropped dead. I'm like, um, exactly. can't do anything else. Cannot jam anything else into my day. Um, yes. Yeah, so I started a soap business. Uh, And before in Ohio, my husband used to work on a farm and at the farm, there was goat milk and we would go to farmer's markets and we Mm. made goat milk soap and we did mostly hot process, but that's kind of where the soap making started. And then we went to the Grand Canyon for (laughs) our honeymoon and we ended up doing a hike that was way too difficult and almost died on that hike. I'm not kidding. Which one? Oh my gosh. What was it? We went to skeleton point, but we went there at 2 p.m. Oh, yeah. And we ran out of water halfway up. Oh my God. <laughs> so 
I'm, this is a little graphic. I'm not kidding. I'm not shitting you when I say like my pee was brown. It was terrible. Oh my God. Yeah, girl, I was dehydrated. Holy shit. Um, so after that great hike, we went back to the Airbnb and we were just like dead on the couch and we were just scrolling YouTube and I found royalty soaps, uh, Katie Carson. She has an incredible platform and she just makes cold processed soap. And I swear to God, I watched her, her videos for like five hours. And I was like, I could do this. This looks fun. And so for the next two months, I was like, oh, I really want to make soap, but it's so expensive to get started. Blah, blah, blah. And Joe one day was like, just buy the soap V. And so I did. And I ended up falling in love with it. And I was like, I wonder if anybody else would like it. So I just <laughs> I made an Etsy page by the seat of my pants because I was like, who knows? Yeah. And uh, people like it. And now I'm uh, like 10 away from 200 sales on Etsy and what? I do drops and yeah. So that's the thing now, I guess. Your, your soap, I think part of the reason that it works so well is because you've really niched down into really taking inspiration from nature. I think it's mm-hmm. so smart and so clever the way you do that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Joe and I are national park enthusiasts. Um, every time we go on vacation, we try to hit a national park. It's just something that we love to do. We're very outdoorsy people. Yeah. Um, this year we're going to sand dunes national park, and I'm going to try try to go to black Canyon, which are the parks in Colorado. But yeah, I, I take my designs mostly from our experiences together in the national parks or in nature or wherever we are together. And so it means something to me like romantically and intimately, but it also, it's a way to kind of make my memories into a physical manifestation. And I don't know, it's something that is really precious to me. And it's something that takes me away from the screen too. It's something I can do with my hands and like, I kind of get into like this meditative state when I'm doing soap and it's just a way to take me away from my day to day. And so every bar of soap is really special. It's hand poured by me, sustainable, sustainable oils, micas, all that jazz. And it's something I take a lot of pride in. And I tell every interview, I'm like, you know, I barely make money doing it because I just buy more soap shit. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, oh, that's a cute mold. Ooh, look at all those things. We need this one too. (laughs) Yeah. Like I have a whole box of molds. Like I've probably not made any profit, but like, I really love supplying something that's so personal to myself, to like my followers. And I don't really like, I don't have um, a coaching program or, you know, a budgeting worksheets or anything. Like I create soap. So that's kind of what I offer on V Frugal Fox. It's different. It's weird. It's me. So, you know. (laughs) I think that's so cool. I feel the same way furniture flipping for me is soap for you. It's one of those things where I'm like, listen, it does not logically make sense. And that is okay. I love it. I think it's exactly. It's like, I just needed something for me. And Mm -hmm. so I did it. Yeah. That's so cool. How long have you been selling and creating soap now? About a year. Yeah. Oh, whoa. A year and like 200 sales killing it. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, man. It's really crazy. I did not expect it. I really didn't. It's like, oh, these, these are cute. Like maybe one or two sales a month. Nope. What? <laughs> nope. <laughs> What's your, how do we find you on? It's on Etsy, right? Yeah. It's a summit soaps co. And I have it on, um, my Instagram page on my LinkedIn bio. It's in there too. Oh, sweet. Okay. I'm definitely yeah. going to link that up too. How much yeah. do you charge for? A, is it like a bar of soap? A thing? Yeah. Soap? Like, what do you do? I think my plain soaps are $5 and my more intricate are nine. And then I have a galaxy soap that I actually hand paint constellations on. And that's like $10. That one is so freaking cool. 
Yeah, I really love it. It's a really great scent too. I actually have some lye on my counter that has been there for like three days. So after this podcast episode, I actually have to go make soap because it's like evaporating into my house, which is bad. So oh, yeah. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. So I need to make soap. Um, but the next one is is coming soon. I think March, April. It'll probably be May. Uh, because you have to make them and then it cures for a month and then you can sell them. Well, hold up. It cures for a month. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh my gosh. Okay. I made soap one time for a friend's birthday and I don't even, I couldn't even tell you what that guy, I was just like using like almost like an immersion blender or something of the sort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I have it was one of crazy. those. Yeah. <laughs> I have an immersion blender. Uh, I opted for process. like the most expensive one because it's the prettiest color, but <laughs> anyway, yeah, it cures for a month. So I have a whole closet of soap. Um, that's just sitting there waiting. But yeah, the the next one will be the June Gay Bar, which was like amazing. It's sold out oh. in like 10 minutes. So I'll be making a lot more of those. Nice. I have one that's um, going to be sold and then the proceeds will go to the Ukrainian um, refugee oh, effort. So yeah, I just, I try to do stuff like that. Um, it's, it's just that's a fun so cool. project. Yeah. I love that you're, you're tying it back to like, it doesn't have to make you money because you've got your business mm-hmm. and then dog sitting for vacation funds and all that kind of stuff. But then yeah. this is just something that you can do for the heck of it and then give back. I think it's a great way to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, this month, actually all the soap sales went to the Ukrainian refugee crisis, but yeah, I mean, if you love to do something, you don't have to monetize it. I think that's such a pitfall that people go into now because people are desperate to make money, yep. um, which is a whole different podcast episode. But yeah, if you love something, you don't have to monetize it. Just do it because you can do it because you're human and you need to create something, you know? Mm-hmm. I love that. That is such a good way to wrap up this conversation too. I've learned a ton. I mean, I'm every time I hear you talk about Rover, I'm always so inspired to go try it. I'm like, God, I just need to just do this already. <laughs> Crazy. Well, if you have time, maybe if you don't, don't do it. I don't have time, but I would still yeah. do it. That's my problem. <laughs> I know I'm the same way. I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. And Joe's like, no, no, don't do it. I'm like no more, <laughs> no more. We have to have a cutoff. I'm like, you're right. Yeah, I, you're right. It's true. He's not wrong. <laughs> uh, he's very supportive of my efforts, but he's like, you got to sleep. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a good spouse. I, I'd say like, that's a good find. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm, I'm lucky. <laughs> he's a pretty cool guy. So yeah. for everybody that's listening in, obviously Instagram, we've plugged that a couple of times. That's your mm-hmm. primary platform, but mm-hmm. let's say they want to hire you. Maybe they're a financial content creator and need some help with strategy. How do they find you with that? Um, you can go to weir, W-E-I-R, digitalmarketing.com or on Instagram. And if you're a finance creator and you know me or we've talked, um, you can still go into my DMs at the Frugal Fox. That's how most people come to me anyway. So those two places are the top notch places to get a hold of me. Also, I'm literally on every face or every social media platform ever. So no one should have a problem getting in contact with me. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah. Good marketing. So, <laughs> Go yeah. figure. Yeah, I know. Crazy. <laughs> That's amazing. Is there any final parting words that you would like to leave with people that are maybe just starting their financial journey or side hustle or business and need a little inspiration to keep going? Yeah, I would say, you know, times are tough for everybody right now. I think 
globally, people are burnt out. So if you're feeling kind of down in the dumps about your money, you're definitely not alone. And I've been there and you, Whitney's been there. Mm -hmm. I would say, take one step at a time, try to look at the road in front of you, not, you know, miles ahead of you and take, take things just one step at a time and you will get there. That's my advice. Mm, That's really good advice too. Before we officially part ways, are you down for some rapid fires? Let's go. Let's do it. it. Okay. Okay. This is going to be a fun one because you like to travel. So where is one location you're dying to travel to? Iceland. Oh yeah. What's the draw? My husband is a Viking, uh, Viking descent, and we would love to go to all of those places. And Iceland is number one on the list. I would love to go to the, um, the springs and the the hot springs. Oh my God. I just, Oh, I just want pictures there. Like the influencer in me is like, Oh, they're beautiful. So yeah, (laughs) for sure. I love that. Okay. Next question for you. Are you more of a morning or evening routine person? Evening. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, um, I get up in the morning around seven with Joe and then I have like a afternoon slump where I don't do any work. And then I can like work until two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. So wow, night owl for sure. Yeah. Dane, are you a coffee drinker? Yeah. Pot, a pot a day. <laughs> <laughs> are we talking the big pots or the little ones? We're talking the big one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Me too. I'm glad I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah. No coffee is life. I don't know how people don't like coffee. Whew. I don't get it either. I don't get yeah. it either. Mm-hmm. Okay. So your evening routine is mostly working till the wee hours. Mm-hmm. I dig it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What is one book that you find yourself gifting most often? Any of Rupi Cower's poetry. So I'm, I'm, I wrote a poetry book in 2018, 19. I went through a really big poetry phase. And so anything like short form modern poetry, I end up gifting. I mean, I I've gifted every version of her book that I've bought. I actually just bought new ones because I'm seeing her perform in May. So I'm like, Oh shit, I need my own copies so she can sign them. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Where is she yeah. performing at? A theater in Denver. I don't nice. know the theater, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm so, I'm going to cry when she goes on stage. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Yeah. It's like your only fangirl moment. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be like, you help me write my own book and cry. That's so. incredible. I, I love <laughs> that kind of stuff. I think it's so fun. All right. Final question for you, my friend, in your opinion, what is the secret to financial success? Defining success by yourself and no one else's standards. So yeah. (laughs) Dig it. V, thank you so much for hanging out. It was so much fun to chat with you. Thank you for having me, Whitney. It was a pleasure. (laughs) All right. What'd you think of this episode? I personally loved it. I love V's hustle, her inspiration, and giving people permission to just chill out with their financial journey and recognize that you can go at your own pace when it comes to paying off debt. It doesn't have to be this like super intense ruin your life kind of thing. Like you can, you can create a plan that works for you. And that message was very, very much what resonated with me from this episode. I'd love to hear from you. Take a screenshot of this tag V and myself on Instagram and let us know what your takeaways were. It's always so fun to see who's listening in and more than anything, what your key takeaways were from this conversation. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate all of your support and your reviews, and I will see you next week for another episode of the Money Nerds Podcast. Bye.